Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. It's now about 36 hours since polls closed in America, and while we're closer to a result, there's still a great deal of uncertainty as counting continues in a number of states. Joe Biden is on 253 electoral college votes as I speak, and seemingly on course for the 270 needed to win the White House. But he has had one or two setbacks, and the process looks like grinding on into Friday at the earliest. I'm joined on the line by our irrepressible Washington correspondent, uh, Suzanne Lynch. Suzanne, first, can you tell us uh, where things stand and uh, whether we've any idea what to expect today? Well, counting in the election is continuing here now really for the third day. Um, and there are still a number of states uh, where the count is going on and they're, they're significant states. So Arizona, um, Georgia, Pennsylvania and Nevada were expected to get an update from that state. Uh, and what's been happening really is that the numbers are quite tight in these states. Uh, and both candidates, I mean, it's important to stress here, Joe Biden is edging ahead, all right, and he's got more avenues for victory. But both candidates are still on, in the game at this point. Um, and I mean, one way of thinking about this is it, it's a mixed bag, particularly for Donald Trump, because what's happened in Arizona has been very interesting. Um, the state there is uh, counting votes around the, uh, the Macomb County area around Phoenix. And the Trump campaign has been consistently arguing that these votes that are going to be counted at the end... Uh, they were dropped in a drop box on the day of the election that they think they are Trump votes. And so far, it does seem that that is transpiring Arizona. Joe Biden's lead is narrowing there as his final votes are counted. But the opposite is happening in Georgia. That state looked like it was comfortably going for Donald Trump. But now as the final votes are counted there, his lead is narrowing and Joe Biden is picking up a lot of votes in this Fulton County area, the Atlanta area, the suburbs of Atlanta. So that is becoming very tight. Uh, so they're the two big races, I think, to watch today on Thursday to see how they, uh, if we get a result from them. Now, um, Trump's huge lead in Pennsylvania um has been closing uh, steadily enough, uh, though the count's going to continue for a long time yet. Uh, just just checking there, it seems to be down to about 150,000 now, his, his leader. So um, Pennsylvania could, could, of course, win it for Biden alone, um, but it mightn't be needed, of course, if he wins win some of those other states. Um, that is going to continue, I imagine, for, for quite a bit longer, is it, Pennsylvania? It is. Um, so, yeah, exactly. The same pattern is happen happening there. As these votes are coming in, um, it's flipping towards Biden. Uh, so they're waiting for quite a few votes from the Philadelphia area. Um, the, uh, the, the turnout here now will be crucial in Philadelphia among the black African-American community. Um, Hillary Clinton uh, did not quite get up to Obama's levels in terms uh, of the vote there in that Philadelphia area, but was still quite high. And it looks like Joe Biden will get a high vote too. So this is going to benefit him at the end. And then, you know, it's kind of an anecdotal example, but there was a member of Congress, Connor Lamb, who is a representative for the Western side of Pennsylvania, a moderate Democrat, kind of in the mold of Joe Biden. And he was losing to his opponent, it looked like he was going to lose a seat. And at the very last moment, with 96% of the votes now counted, he has declared victory, although uh, it hasn't still been declared. But it's it's an example of how this these races in Pennsylvania can shift. But yes, we probably will not get any kind of clarity on this until Friday. Uh, there were cases about this, but Pennsylvania can continue to accept absentee ballots that arrive up until Friday. And of course, some of the counties in the state were not permitted to start counting 
uh, these absentee ballots until Wednesday. So, yeah, we expect this to continue over Thursday, Friday. Obviously, the tighter these races are, um, the more likely, I suppose, Donald Trump will bring legal challenges. Uh, and he was out yesterday, both on Twitter and um, in an early press conference, talking about fraud and making it clear that he will be bringing some of those challenges. My, my what is he complaining about exactly? And um, okay, what do those yeah. challenges involve? Well, Donald Trump has followed through on his promise before the election to really aggressively uh litigate the issue of this election. Uh, he obviously declared a premature victory in the early mornings of election night in the in the White House. Uh, but since then, his campaign has announced a number of legal challenges uh, based on Michigan, in uh, Georgia, uh, in Pennsylvania and in Wisconsin, where he they say they're requesting a recount there. Um, the case in, in Pennsylvania, again, would be the interesting one to watch here because the Trump campaign is effectively joining a case that was already in train uh, the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, weighed in on uh, the issue of when Pennsylvania could accept uh, absentee ballots. They weighed in on that issue and, and several others in the week before the election. And while they allowed the Pennsylvania plan to, to stay, so Pennsylvania can accept ballots until Friday, uh, they did, in their, in their judgment, the Supreme Court left open the possibility of revisiting that. So now this is coming into play because, you know, the Trump campaign could have an opening there. Um, in Georgia, it's focusing on a small number of votes that it says uh, are disputed, around 53 votes. Uh, but even as I'm talking to you now, Dave, uh, the race is getting very, very tight in Georgia. We could be in recount territory there anyway. And just now, the Trump campaign have announced they're having a press conference in Las Vegas, uh, the biggest city in Nevada, because we're expecting a result from Nevada that uh, was expected to go to Joe Biden. Uh, Trump campaign are hoping uh, it could go to them. It's unlikely, but it's possible. And uh, we expect to hear from them today. To, and maybe there will be challenges there in Nevada, too. So, I mean, judging from what you're saying there, is it fair to say that if Pennsylvania was taken out of the equation uh, in terms of the numbers, it might uh, take the sting out of the, the legal challenges? Um, would that be fair to yeah. say? I, I think so, because if Arizona remains with Joe Biden, um, well, then, yeah, he doesn't necessarily need Pennsylvania, uh, particularly if he was to win Georgia, which seems to be now possibly going into his uh, his line. So, yes, if Pennsylvania becomes less important to Biden, yes, then, you know, that's that's better in terms of any legal challenges. Uh, but of course, Donald Trump does need Pennsylvania. In fact, he would need Arizona, Georgia to stay in his camp, Nevada and Pennsylvania at this point. Um, but it is interesting about, you know, that, that these states that are in play, I mean, nobody would have expected that it would have been Arizona and Georgia at this point where there's so much attention today. Uh, after all, Fox News called Arizona on election night and the reports that Donald Trump was furious about this, that he rang Ru Ru Rupert Murdoch uh, to voice his um, opposition to this. So we are now in a situation on Thursday where, you know, Arizona still hasn't been concluded and it won't really be until Friday Irish time that we do have any kind of a result from there. Now, uh, uh, Trump specifically referenced the Supreme Court yesterday um, and that would have unnerved anyone who's been following it at all in the last few months, obviously, with the 6-3 with the, uh, conservative majority now on the court. But it's not, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, none of the, these challenges are not necessarily going to end up there, isn't that right? I mean, obviously, uh, the Pennsylvania case can go, will be a Supreme Court issue, but not necessarily the others. 
they might not take up um, a lot of these cases, uh, um, but they might. And if this really became contested, as we saw in 2000, they probably would. And then you've got the situation whereby um, the Supreme Court, interestingly, I mentioned they did weigh in on about maybe four or five cases in the week before the election. And there was kind of a, a not a very consistent line from them on this whole issue of voter access, mail-in ballots. Um, so, for example, they were stricter in terms of there were there were different cases slightly, but in Wisconsin there was more they they ruled that there should be more of a deadline by which to allow votes there. Whereas in North Carolina, North Carolina have been permitted to continue accepting absentee ballots until next Monday. Now, uh, crucially, what may become very important is that Brett Kavanaugh, one of Donald Trump's nominees to the support to the court, he wrote an opinion in relation to a Wisconsin case in the last few weeks. And in that, he seemed to suggest, uh, he used the word flip. He said, you know, there could be a scenario where one candidate's winning and then the election flips uh, as results come in on after election day. And a lot of Democrats seized on this and, you know, pointed out that really it should not matter if a vote is cast before November 3rd, well, then that's a vote. And, you know, there's no question that's any less valuable. Uh, than a vote that's counted later. So, um, and Kavanaugh, incidentally, it's a separate issue. He did actually have to make a clarification. He referenced a specific case in Vermont to illustrate a a point about uh, voting. And uh, he was wrong on that and he had to illustrate, he had to update that. But uh, that might become significant if this does get to the Supreme Court in any way. And also it's interesting that three of the justices on the court, uh, Kavanaugh, Justice Chief Justice John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett uh, all were involved in litigation efforts on the kind of George Bush side back in 2000, earlier in their career, obviously. Uh, so, you know, they do kind of have form. Now, Amy Coney Barrett did not weigh in on any of these uh, vote count uh, cases that came before the court last week because she said she didn't, you know, didn't have the time to be briefed on it. So we don't really know what her position would be on issues of, of voting. Um, but it is possible, Dave. I mean, we've got now multiple legal challenges um, going on here. And then we've also got a, a parallel issue, which is recounts, and which is a, a different question. And the Trump campaign have requested a recount of Wisconsin. The issue for them there is Biden seems to be ahead of 20,000 votes. So it's very unlikely that would change it either way. And then, as I say, there is now a possibility in Georgia there could be a recount, particularly if the uh, race is, is tight, which is now getting increasingly tight as the final votes are being counted. In terms of recounts, whatever about the, the legal challenges, what what impact would that have on 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 delaying a, a, an outcome to to this election? Well, um, I mean, it could delay it for quite some time, and people will remember in two thousand, um, you know, the Supreme Court basically intervened there to stop the recount in Florida. That's what they did in their ruling, and then the election went for George W. Bush. That went on for maybe four weeks after the election. There are though constitutional norms here that have to be followed. And um, the de- a few key dates here are December the 8th and December the 14th. On December the 14th, the College of Electors meet uh, to basically transmit the vote from each state to officials. Uh, and so, but on six days before that, um, is another deadline called the safe harbor where they can it's kind of the last day for litigation in a sense so i mean i think that's going to focus attention before december the 8th there is no rush really on this uh, and in the meantime if states are going to go and um tabulate and assess and confirm the results in their state 
But what usually happens in elections is that one candidate is is winning and the other candidate calls to concede. That hasn't happened so far and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So we could have a situation where this is kind of in limbo for a few weeks. But I think that December the 8th and December the 14th deadline, you know, will be um, set in stone. And then obviously the constitution, I mean, a new president has to be sworn in on the 20th of January. It is worth noting, though, that America does have a kind of a uniquely long transition period between when the election takes place and a new president is sworn in. So, you know, Donald Trump is still there and and there's no rush on this in one sense. So it could be a while uh, before we have a result. But look, who knows? We could have something more decisive in the next 48 hours from Pennsylvania, from Georgia, etc. Now, uh, Donald Trump's Trump's, uh, complaints yesterday and and I suppose ongoing complaints over, over a long period um, have had an impact on on his, his supporters, some of his supporters, and there have been some protests um, at polling booths, uh, polling stations uh, overnight or this morning. But uh, no, no sign yet of any serious unrest. I suppose there is still concern about that, is there? And and, and how how riled his base might be? Yeah, um, you're you're right. I suppose it's important to say there haven't been many instances of widespread protest here in the U.S which, you know, considering the fact we're coming out of a summer where where there really was a lot of unrest in this country and a lot of urban protest, etc. So there have been some isolated incidents. So in Arizona, which obviously, as I've met, explained, you know, the Trump campaign have really been focusing on, um, several Trump supporters kind of congregated at a main voting centre last night in Maricopa County, um, waving flags, etc., in New York, there were reports of some arrests, uh, some arrests, excuse me, uh, following kind of peaceful demonstrations about counting the vote in New York. Um, in Washington, there's kind of been low-level activity, we call it, in around the Black Lives Matter, Matter Plaza near uh, the White House. Uh, all the buildings have been boarded up here um, and there's been extra fencing put up outside the White House. But look, there is nothing really to report yet on that, so that is good. Um, so Donald Trump himself, as I speak to you now, has been pretty quiet, actually, uh, since his address on election night from the East Room of the White House. So we didn't see any, we didn't see him at all on Wednesday. Um, the White House issued an update on his schedule for Thursday, and there is no plan for him to have anything on his public schedule for Thursday. So what he's doing now is his surrogates, surrogates are obviously out there. We had Giuliani, Eric Trump, etc., who traveled to Philadelphia yesterday we have now been told there's going to be a Trump campaign press conference in Las Vegas and Richard Grenell the former ambassador to Germany a huge Trump supporter he's he's going to be at that Las Vegas press conference now look this may I don't know why that he's adopting that strategy I mean I think sending Rudy Giuliani out you know, it's not the best idea. And it was significant yesterday, the Trump campaign announced this press conference, and then they sent out a an updated schedule, Rudy Giuliani's name on the uh, on the notification to the media. So um, we may be seeing that kind of pattern emerging again now in the next uh, day or two, as I say, these surrogates going out instead of the president, because he has been relatively quiet apart from Twitter. And of course, Twitter has labeled some of his tweets um, as misinformation, essentially. Uh, but yeah, let's see if we hear from him on Thursday. It is important, of course, to underline that that the counting and and the the, the way the votes came in uh, did come in. It was as expected, even though I think viewers all around the world as well, um, some of them may have may have failed to understand the subtleties of that. That the later 
uh, votes, certainly in the Rust Belt, were going to come in for Biden and that the gap yeah. was going to close. And obviously, uh, Trump has kind of targeted that lack of understanding um, and used it to maybe his advantage. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's worth saying, like in Ireland, we're extremely familiar with delay counts and recounts and our um, PRSTV system. You know, we have a very sophisticated system and the media covers it very well in Ireland. The or, you know, Irish voters are very familiar with that. That's not the case here in America. So this is quite a new concept that you would have to wait for a result. Um, and I think everybody is kind of, you know, coming to terms with that in different ways. Um, but Donald Trump, of course, has telegraphed this. And, you know, one would wonder, even if he brings these legal challenges, like, is he going to win any of them? His already, I mean, we saw this with some of the executive orders where um, when it went to court, some of his prior statements about Muslims, for example, weighed on decision, on, you know, on the judge's decisions about his intent with those executive orders on immigration. You know, we now have Donald Trump completely telegraphing for months what, you know, his strategy here. So the Biden campaign gave a briefing yesterday and they were very bullish about this. Brett Barr, their top lawyer, who's former White House counsel, you know, he was kind of saying, you know, we're ready for everything. We've got the briefs. We've got the lawyers. Bring it on kind of thing. You know, we are expecting this. He is he's he's made no secret about the fact he was going to launch a challenge. And as I mentioned, you know, there really are maybe up to 300 cases around this election that were brought around the country. And generally, Republicans haven't won them. So, you know, even if Trump, even if we get to the point where these cases even go to the Supreme Court or even go, you know, around the country, you know, he still has to win those cases. And then even if he wins them, the the, the numbers of votes seem to be so minor that it doesn't look like there would be enough to sway the outcome of the election. So, you know, there's lots of hoops to um, to jump through here. We're only at the beginning of this legal, these sets of legal challenges. Um, you know, so we'll see how those those play out. Now, as for Joe Biden, he gave a short uh, address yesterday evening um, after it was clear he had won uh, Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, his campaign has pointed out that he did receive more votes than any other presidential candidate in history, though I think most people have come to the conclusion that he didn't do all that well overall, and certainly less well than uh, than many people expected. Is that fair? Do you think, as 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 we're looking at it in the kind of in the cold light of day, even though we haven't got the final yeah. the final numbers, um, is it fair to say he underperformed? Or I I think it is. I think it is. I mean, yes, Joe Biden got seventy one million votes. We think, but jo- but Donald Trump increased his vote too. He got 68 million. We don't know the, the final figure. So, you know, that's an indictment, I think, of um, democratic strategy. You know, I think there was an expectation here by some people that, you know, the opposition to Donald Trump was out there so much in the country that it was going to translate to, uh, you know, a, a strong vote for Biden. Um, and really, Donald Trump built on his own vote, too. So there were obviously Trump supporters there who didn't vote the last time and, did this time, or he won over some more voters. Um, also, digging down to the numbers, and these are, are not um, clear at this point, but you know Donald Trump's performance among Latino voters in, um, in Florida in particular, and potentially, depending on what's happening here in Arizona and Nevada, you know, is a, cause, a major cause for concern for the Democratic Party. And already Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has become, come out on that. She's Latino herself, and she has said this is a concern for Democrats. Also, I mean, where were the, the, you know, the women, suburban women don't, there doesn't seem to be the big backlash against Trump that many were expecting in some of those suburbs, particularly in Texas. I was down there covering that myself. And Democrats kind of very much 
underperformed in terms of winning congressional seats in some of those suburbs of Texas. So I believe, yeah, I think, um, you know, whatever that happened to this election, if Don, if Joe Biden wins and it looks like he will win ultimately, uh, you know, Donald Trump put up a strong performance in this election. And yes, some people are saying, commentators, look, I mean, Joe Biden looks like he's going to win back the Rust Belt. But the numbers are very tight there. Yeah, he is. He, he's winning Michigan and Wisconsin, but it was by no means a landslide. So I think from that point of view, there's food for thought there uh, for Democrats about how they go forward now and, you know, what kind of coalition they're going to build. And there's certainly food for thought for them uh, in Congress, too. Um they badly underperformed in in both the Senate and the House races. Can you uh, run us through a little of, of how that has turned is turning out? Yeah. So um, this is very interesting. Democrats had hoped to maybe flip the Senate, so that is currently in Republican control with the Republican Party controlling fifty three seats there. Um, and there were several races that were up uh, that that Democrats had been hoping to kind of. Uh, benefit from an anti-Trump feeling they thought out in the country and that they could flip these uh, Senate seats. Now, all the results are not in, but at the moment that looks very unlikely now that Democrats will um, get control. And there are a few kind of marquee case of, of races here um, where Republicans were supposed to be under pressure and actually they won quite handily. One being Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina. He faced a very, very well-funded challenge from a 44-year-old Jamie Harrison for Democrat, but he easily won his race there by about 10 points. Uh, then Susan Collins in Maine, and again, Dave, it's worth noting here, polls. I mean, every poll suggested she was in the, and I use the cliche myself, the fight for political life against her opponent, Sarah Gideon, who very well known, quite experienced local politician in Maine, and Susan Collins won her race. So, uh, you know, with all the talk about the Senate, you know, a lot of these Republicans actually, you know, held their own. Now, um, there were some, you know, good uh, trends for Democrats. Mark Kelly in Arizona, uh, the Democrat there, basically has won his seat now, it looks. Uh, John Hickenlooper in Colorado, too. So that's a positive. Um, but look, as I say, I think people, if they're really honest with themselves, really were expecting a bit more on the Democratic side, Senate-wise. Then turning to the House, 435 seats there. They're up every two years. This is disappointing for Nancy Pelosi. Um, Democrats, OK, they're still going to have the majority in the new Congress, which meets in January, but their majority looks like it's going to be smaller. And they they lost a few seats here. Again, Miami, very worrying. Two uh, candidates there in the Miami area who won in the in the wave of 2018 have lost their seats. Again, point, you know, reflecting what's happening uh, more generally with Trump doing better than expected in the Miami-Dade area. Also, as I mentioned already, Texas, that's in in line with what was happening on the presidential election. Trump really did hold Texas. And this seems to have happened as well, trickled down at the congressional race. Um, For example, I'm looking, I went and covered a suburb of Dallas uh, and it's just west of Dallas and it has seen lots of demo demographic changes only in the last decade and there was a retiring Republican there uh, Kenny Marchant and his race uh, was was up and I'm, as I talk to you now I'm surprised the Republican Beth Van Doyne she is ahead of her Democratic challenger so Democrats are being quite uh, confident about flipping that seat it doesn't seem to have happened now generally these uh, races are called this, this we could be a while before uh, we we get a final result there. So I, su- I suppose I should be fair and say, you know, we don't know really. But I think it's disappointing for Nancy Pelosi. And there are already whispers um, about her, 
leadership. She, you know, she, she, I mean, there's a quote from her on Tuesday night where she expected to expand that majority. That hasn't happened. So I think there'll be a bit of soul searching on the Democratic side. Um, and she's trying to put a, a good spin on it at the moment. But undoubtedly, it was disappointing for Democrats in the House. Well, we'll watch uh, the rest of those races and the overall race, of course, very closely in days, hours, days and, and maybe even weeks ahead. Thanks again, Suzanne. Thank you for joining us from Washington. That's all for today. For more on this story, go to irishtimes.com.